Our Old Testament reading comes from the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, and it's called The Great Commandment. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances, that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord.
Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46. It will probably sound familiar to you. It's known as the parable of the sheep and goats, and it's a hard text to hear. But I invite you to stay with it and listen for what God might be saying to you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me any clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Growing up on a farm in rural Illinois, where we had chickens, rabbits, sheep, goats, ponies, and an occasional pig, there was one animal that was absolutely not allowed on our farm, a goat. My mother was adamant, no goats. Goats are nothing but trouble, she would say. Now, I had friends who had goats, and they would tell me all the benefits of raising goats. You don't have to feed them much because they eat a lot of weeds. They're friendly. They're easily tamed. They don't get sick very much, and the babies are just so cute. But it did not budge my mother. There would be no goats on our farm. I think she suffered from a bit of post-traumatic stress about goats because later in life she told me a story when she was a child of being chased around the outside of her house by two billy goats. 
She told the story of running around and around and around the house multiple times, even as my grandmother was standing at the porch door, holding it wide open, motioning her to come into the porch. I don't think she realized that if she stopped running, the goats would stop as well. I grew up with a fairly negative impression of goats. I even learned a camp song that reinforced my negative view of goats. And the second verse is the verse that really reinforced that view. Let's see if I can sing it for you. I don't want to be a goat. Nope. I don't want to be a goat. Nope. Ain't got no hope. Nope. I don't want to be a goat. Nope. (laughs) But the first verse... The first verse sets the tone for the song, and it impressed upon me how much better sheep were than goats. And it goes like this. Anybody know this song? (laughs) Thanks be to God, because it's a horrible song. (laughs) So here's the first verse. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. (laughs) What we sing and what we say and what we teach to our children makes a difference. As a young Christian... When I heard pastors talk about God separating the sheep from the goats, I truly believed sheep were good and goats were bad. No goats in God's house. And I certainly did not want to be a goat. Now, over the years, that way of looking at things has not worked for me. So I've begun reframing this parable. And today, I want to invite you on that journey of reframing with me. I want to invite us to move beyond categorizing and judging ourselves as good and bad, and others as good and bad. Instead, I want us to look at what I think is a core message of the gospel, and a message that I find repeated in the story of Horton Hears a Who. So let's look at the text. In this future-oriented story, all the nations are gathered together. Everyone is there before the Son of Man. Who then separates them? Just like a, a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. So goats are bad, right? Eh, eh, eh. Not so fast. People don't always separate sheep and goats. In ancient Israel, and even today, herds of sheep and goats mingle together. Sometimes the two species are separated temporarily because they have different dietary needs. But do you know that goats are smarter than sheep? They're bolder than sheep. And there's a practice among some farmers of taking a neutered male goat and training it to respond to the farmer's call Because when the farmer calls that neutered male goat, the sheep will follow. Sheep are not better than goats. They're just different. And they respond to their situations differently. 
So the text goes on to tell us that not only does the Son of Man separate the people of all nations as a shepherd might separate the sheep from the goats, but then puts the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. So the left hand is bad, right? Eh, eh, eh. Not so fast. Every time we say the Apostles' Creed, we acknowledge that Jesus sits at the of the Father. But just because Jesus sits at the right hand does not mean that being on God's left hand is bad. There's a prophet in 1 Kings that actually sees a vision of heavenly hosts sitting on both God's right and God's left hand. And the mother of the disciples James and John was bold enough to ask Jesus if her two sons might sit at his right and left hand in his kingdom. How many left-handed people do we have here today? All lefties, raise your left hand. Huh? Okay, look around you because those people will tell you the truth. Right is not better than left. So if sheep aren't better than goats and right isn't better than left, what's Jesus saying in this parable? What is it that causes the Son of, of Man to separate the people, all nations? What is it that distinguishes the sheep from the goats? What sets apart these two groups is the heart of this parable. It's the core of the gospel. It's their response to the least, the overlooked, the ignored, the vulnerable. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink of water. I was homeless, you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me a coat. I was sick. And you stopped in to visit me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me, Jesus says. It was me. This is a core message of the gospel. And I hear these words of Jesus reflected really clearly in the words of Dr. Seuss. A person's a person, no matter how small. Horton's life got turned upside down in the midst of an ordinary day when he hears a cry of help coming from a speck of dust. And even though Horton didn't go to the pool in the jungle of New specifically that day to look for someone to help, when he believes that there's someone who needs help, he decides to do what he can for whoever or whatever's on that speck. The who's of Whoville are truly invisible to Horton and to the rest of the jungle community, but that does not deter Horton. Horton is convinced of their existence. You might even say Horton took a leap of faith. The story of Horton tells of his persistence and his faithfulness once he promises to care for them. Amidst persecution and harassment from sour kangaroos, nice sour kangaroos voice, Tom, good job, a gang of monkeys and a vulture named Vlad, 
who all refused to believe that anything could exist on the speck. They refused to see or even acknowledge the Who's. Once Horton hears the mayor of Whoville, he becomes even more committed to helping the Who's. The kangaroos, on the other hand, cannot or do not hear the Who's. But Horton isn't interested in blaming them or condemning them because they don't hear. He just wants them to hear what he hears. But instead, they resist, they repudiate, they reject Horton's assertion that the Who's exist. And they take take extreme measures to isolate and silence Horton. The real test of Horton's faithfulness comes when the kangaroo hires Vlad, the vulture, to torment him and destroy the clover that holds the speck of dust. Horton's convictions will be tested to the extreme. Will he remain faithful to the promise he has made when facing personal danger? Staying faithful to our convictions is not easy. Staying faithful to Jesus' teaching is really not easy. In fact, we are not faithful 100% of the time. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to respond. How many of you, of us, remember a time when we helped someone who was in need? Could have been intentional, could have been unintentional. How many of us remember a time when we helped somebody in need? Could be any time in our life. Okay. How many of us remember a time when we did not help someone? And I want you to be honest here. When we did not, for whatever reason. You see, we don't always hear. We don't always see. We don't always respond to the needs around us. When we did respond, we were like the sheep on the right hand. And when we did not respond, we were like the goats on the left. We not only cannot see or hear or respond to the needs all around us, it's impossible for us to respond to all the needs around us. So what hope is there for us? Are we to be banished from God's kingdom because we've not responded compassionately all the time? Or if we miss an opportunity to respond to a person no matter how small or invisible or vulnerable? How do we understand the the words of verse 41? Those who have been set on the left are to go into eternal fire? The fire must be bad, right? Eh, eh, eh. Not too fast. At Pentecost... The Holy Spirit comes upon those who are gathered as tongues of fire. And in Exodus, fire is an expression of God's very self to Moses in the burning bush. John the Baptist proclaims that while John baptizes with water, Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians says that when Jesus comes again, he will come as in a blazing fire. The fire's not bad. The fire is not to be feared or avoided. 
the fire is not a punishment. It's a redemption. God's fire refines us. It redeems us. It restores us. God's goal is not to punish us and send us away. God's goal is to draw us back so that we can be the kingdom on earth, so that we can listen for the voices of the small and the least. And so we can do the kingdom work of love and compassion. But sometimes, by our own choices, our decisions, our ignorance, our blindness, our prejudice, we do not see or hear the least, the vulnerable, those in need. Now we can respond by trying to isolate or silence those who claim to hear the voice of the least, like the kangaroos did. So the kangaroos must be bad, right? Not so fast. When the little voice of Jojo, the smallest of the small in Whoville, adds his voice to all the collective voices of the Who's, it's enough for them to finally be heard. You see, one voice does make a difference, no matter how small. The sour kangaroos finally heard. And when they did, they turned from their destructive ways and they turned toward compassion and care. And in fact, they joined Horton in promising to protect the Who's in Whoville. It's a story of redemption, like our story of our redemption. There are times when I do not see or hear. There are times when I do see and hear and respond. In those times, I'm like Horton. But when I don't see or hear or I don't respond, I'm like the kangaroos. We're like both Horton and the sour kangaroos. We both see and we don't see. We're both sheep and goats. And we are in need of redemption. We will miss the least, the smallest, because we're human. And when we do miss, we're turning our backs on God's kingdom. But we are never beyond God's reach. Out of God's great love and compassion for us, God reaches out to show us the truth of who we are. And God invites us into God's redeeming fire where we find grace, mercy, forgiveness, where we acknowledge our sin, where we are restored with God and with one another. We are partners together, like Horton and the kangaroos, partners to bring God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven, a kingdom where a person's a person, no matter how small. 
in the course of each day. We will have the opportunity to stumble into places where we can hear and see the least among us, whether that's on the news or on the streets, in our neighborhoods, maybe even in our own families. But we will not always see and hear. When we do not see, I hope we can stop listening to the voices inside ourselves and outside us that would condemn us, And I hope instead that we will trust the God who loves us, the God who wants to help us hear and see, the God who wants to forgive us and redeem us, and the God who wants to welcome us home. And when we do see and hear, I hope that we will use our one voice to speak up and to speak out, and that we will use our one life to serve the least the vulnerable, the smallest. Knowing that when we do that, we are serving God and we are bringing the kingdom of God to life. Amen.